Hey, Startup Nation. Imagine a job where you can work wherever you want, on whatever you want, from wherever you want. Hello to white sand beaches of Thailand or the comfort of your own couch. Oh, and most importantly, you're your own boss. Now, what if I told you that the dream job could become your reality? This is the life of a freelancer, and with some hard work and with the help of Hectic, it can be your life too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started, from an easy-to-use contracts and proposals builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-play technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. And we all want to get paid, Startup Nation. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life now to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life, you'll be supporting me and this podcast because who couldn't use a little support these days, Startup Nation? Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. The link is there in the show notes. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, we just had the Super Bowl not too long ago. And besides, you know, the game itself and, you know, my favorite food, chicken wings, you know, one of the things I always look forward to are the Super Bowl ads. And, and I always thought that, you know, Startup Nation, we can always learn some great stuff from, you know, big brands and how they uh, present their companies and stuff like that on the, you know, probably one of the biggest marketing stages there are, which is why we have a fantastic guest for you today on the show. He's a marketing professor at the uh, at the Kellogg Business School at Northwestern. Uh, he's also a speaker, author, and consultant. He is Professor Tim Calkins. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. No worries. No worries. I just want to say again, thank you for coming on the show. And and I know you guys, you know, for the past 17 years, which is why we wanted to bring you on the show, I thought we could really learn a lot. Uh, for the past 17 years, in the, the Kellogg School of Business, you've been having the Kellogg Bowl, where you guys kind of analyze the ads and stuff like that. Kind of talk about the origin of that, if you don't mind, if you would, Tim. Right. So this is an event we've been doing for a long time, 17 years now. Right. And the, the whole gist of the event is really focused on uh, experiential learning. And so we started the event back in the day and we said, boy, this would be a really neat way that we could have our students apply what they're learning in the classroom and put it to use very real time. So taking all the frameworks that you learn in the classroom and using all those frameworks and ideas to evaluate all the Super Bowl advertising. And so we started up the event a long time ago now, and we found out a few things. Number one, we found out the students really enjoy being part of it and they learn a lot but it's good fun and it's relevant and all of that in their life and also though that the rankings we come up with at the end of this are really quite good rankings Mm -hmm. because we come up with this list of who does well and who doesn't do well you know based on a business look at it 
Right. Which of these ads, you know, will work to build the business? Which of these ads will build the brand? And we come up with these really neat ratings. So we've stuck with it now for a long time and it keeps getting bigger and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. For sure. For sure. And, you know, and I want to kind of ask you about, you know, because we have the um, the the blog post here in Startup Nation. If you look on the, uh, the, the show notes, uh, we have a link to. Uh, the findings uh, of the Kellogg Bowl there, you know, if you're listening to the replay on a podcast, the, those show, the link is there in the show notes for easy access. And before we kind of get into some of the, uh, the ads, Tim, I want to ask you about, you know, you, some of the ways you kind of used to analyze uh, the pl- the uh, ads and stuff like that, including the, the, the acronym ad plan, which I thought was interesting as well. Kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. So the framework we use to evaluate, you know, these spots, it's all based on you know, research and real learning about communication. Right. And it's called ad plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that really stands for is six different things. And uh, I can run through them real quick. Sure. But, and these apply for the Super Bowl, but they apply actually for any piece of communication right. that we're doing. And and it's the same whether we're doing a an email that we're going to send out uh, or whether we're doing a print ad or whether we're doing a digital ad, same things. This is what's got to work if it's if the ad is really going to have an impact so number one the first thing attention so it's got to get your attention somehow or other you got to notice it it's uh, got to grab you there's so much clutter in the world right if it's going to work out to grab you number two distinction so it's got to be different it's got to be unique otherwise it blends in and and so even though somebody might notice it it just blends into everything else and it's not different enough to be really defined in people's minds so it's got to be different right third one is P, that's for positioning. And this is something we teach a lot. But positioning is this idea that behind any brand or product, there's a target market, there's a frame of reference, and there's a benefit. Those are really the three most important parts. So so you're for whatever you're selling, you're going after a particular group of people. Can't go after everybody. It's a certain thing, frame of reference. Like, what is it? You have to know what it is before you know why you might buy it. And then there's got to be a benefit. Here's the reason why you should buy this product or buy this service. So that's right. positioning. And you want that to come across in a piece of communication. Uh, linkage, this is a big one. This is the link between the brand and the creative. And this is one a lot of advertisers on the Super Bowl really struggle with right. because they come up with these really funny ads, but they're not linked to the brand. Ideally, you want that link to be really close. Here's a good thing to watch for. If you can take a piece of advertising or communication, swap out one brand, put in another brand, and nobody would really notice, that's probably going to be a problem there because it's just not really linked to the to the brand in question. Uh, amplification, what do people remember? What will they play back? You want that to be positive related to the brand. And then that equity, that's the end. You want that to be uh, consistent with what we know about the brand. You don't want there to be a disconnect between what we know about the brand and what they're seeing in that uh, commercial execution. So that's the framework we use. And, uh, and uh, you know, you see these ads, you, you think about the framework and you say, yeah, I think that one's, I think that one's hitting all the, all the boxes there, or I think we've got a problem somewhere. And uh, it leads you to, I think, a assessment of how these bots work. For sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, the L for linkage because it seemed when I go through the blog post, it seemed like that was a, a big one. And, I, and when you explain uh, what that means, it makes sense because there's been plenty of times like over the years and you kind of highlight something uh, for this year. Like over the years, you see Super Bowl ads like they're so artsy and they're so awesome or so funny. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to buy again? So, no, I, I know exactly uh, what yeah. you mean there. 
you see it a lot on the Super Bowl, right? Because on the Super Bowl in particular, these advertisers work hard to come up with creative ideas that are funny and really catch your attention. But then they struggle when they think about uh, linkage. You might remember one. There was one Super Bowl ad a number of years ago that that uh, that ran. It's really. It's one of my favorites. I don't think it was a great ad, but it was just really funny. And it featured these uh, cat herders and these folks who were uh, riding in the out west. But instead of herding cattle, they were herding a bunch of cats. Mm. And and, uh, and it was just a really funny commercial about herding cats. But, of course, it wasn't clear at all what brand that was for. They were just, you know, using that joke about trying to herd a bunch of cats. Right. And, and uh, they end up with a really funny spot. But even now, you're like, well, who is that for? I don't remember the cats, but right, nothing, and exactly. that's not a good sign. Absolutely, absolutely. So if we were just kind of let's kind of go through these, uh, just a few of them, because I don't want to take up too much of your time here. Uh, but you know, you, you gave them all grades. Well, the panel gave them all grades, and the first one uh, I wanted to ask you about, which seems like it took the top spot, was the Cheeto uh, ad with Ashton Kutcher, uh, Mila Kunis, and the singer Shaggy. Shaggy, kind of talk about that one, and what was the thinking behind giving it a, a A grade? That was the number one spot from our panel this mm-hmm. year. And, and, uh, oh, the other things, I don't even get to grade these things. Gotcha. Gotcha. The students. This is purely the students. But, right. but I think they were, I, I can understand this and I can see how it scored high. And I think that's probably the right grade for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about that Cheeto spot is that the branding is really clear. You know who that's for. And the linkage is just spot on. You, you really can't swap in a different brand for that spot. Now, some people, have wonder about that spot because what they're really focused on there is the fact that Cheetos, all that powder and that flavoring sticks to your fingers, right? Sort of a mess. And you could say that what they're really doing is highlighting a negative. And isn't that a strange way to market a product? Right. But I think it still works because I think what happens with Cheetos, that's very distinctive, but also I think when people are eating Cheetos, they say, you know what? Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a mess, but they're just that good. Right. And it's worth it. So that spot gets your attention. Good distinction. Great linkage. You get the positioning. It's uh, it's a really engaging piece of advertising. And and I think you know you could make the case for sure that was one of the top spots on the game this year. And in our poll, that was number one for sure, for sure. Uh, and, and the second one I want to ask you about is the Dorito spot with Matthew McConaughey. Kind of talk about that one, but also if you don't mind, kind of talk about. It seems like Matthew McConaughey moves product for some reason. I've been seeing him in the, like the Lincoln ad, and like he's like selling liquor now. You know, uh, kind of talk about those two things if you don't mind, Professor C. Yeah. So the so the Dorito spot again, same company. I mean, this is PepsiCo, this right. is Dorito Lay, and you know they know how to make these Super Bowl ads. Mm-hmm. So the McConaughey spot, that was the one he was flat, and then he puffed up at the end, and sort of a simple idea to dramatize this puffy Doritos product they're introducing, but it was well executed. It really got your attention, and then by the end of it, they linked it back to the product. I don't think it was a strong no spot. Only because I don't think that Doritos was as front and center throughout the whole thing. Gotcha. It was so much about he was flat. Right. Uh, you know, that, it was pretty funny. Though. How'd you get here in the fax machine? It, it, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, it was a pretty funny spot. I think it worked well. As a character, I think Matthew McConaughey is, is, uh, is he is this really appealing uh, personality for marketers and for advertisers. Right. I think he is, uh, he's likable. And not polarizing, but also sort of sophisticated. He's right. 
and, and so I think it's a personality that works in a lot of different places. Finding a, a celebrity and finding the right celebrity for your brand is a big challenge right. for advertisers because you've got to get somebody who's willing to do it. And then they've got to be someone who, is, you know, the other thing is got to be somebody who lives a pretty straight up life. Right. That's true. You That's can't true. be working with a celebrity who gets into trouble all the time for behavior and right. things. Yeah, that's not going to work. And I think that McConaughey is just one that it's just a, his, his personality, his style, I think works for a lot of brands. For sure. For sure. And like, like I say, it just seems like, you know, kind of see him, uh, you know, in, in quite a few ads here lately over the past couple of years. It just seems like uh, he works. So I, I want you know, and Startup Nation, once again, the blog post is it has a, the link is there in the show notes for easy access for you to check out all of these uh, grades for the spots and, and stuff like that. I wanted to ask you about. Uh, the the DoorDash one, you know, with the Sesame Street characters, I thought that was interesting as well. Kind of talk about what the panel's thinking was that one. I think they got a grade B, I believe. Yes, a grade B. Kind of talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, so that was a, uh, you know, that was a uh, that was a good spot. The the use of the Sesame Street characters was uh, creative and it got your attention, and they really did celebrate. And the message came across all about supporting local. That was clearly what they were trying to communicate, mm-hmm. and the brand came across, but the message, call that the positioning, that came across, and that was a spot that I think worked really well. You know what was interesting about that spot, though, is that the strategy there of celebrating local and celebrating restaurants and right. local providers, all of this, same thing that Uber Eats said. In their spot. And you're like, well, that's a very strange message in a way. Because when people order from DoorDash or Uber Eats, you know, they're not ordering it really to support local. I, I suspect they're, they're ordering there because the food comes quickly and it's tasty and it's not too expensive and you know, it just works as a platform. Right. But what it tells me is that both DoorDash and Uber Eats must be very concerned about regulations, about fee caps, about local governments taking steps to limit what they can do. Because a lot of people accuse them of hurting actually local restaurants and taking big fees and things. And I think for that reason, it's striking to see them mm. focus on supporting local. It tells you they're really worried about it. Right. And they probably should be. Right, for sure. Now, I thought that was interesting. And I saw that in your report. I was going to ask you that. You beat me to it, but, but I appreciate your highlight because I thought that was an uh, interesting observation uh, as well. You know, there was also the GM ad uh, as well with Will Ferrell. Was it was extremely uh, funny and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I was listening to, uh, you know, you were on your brother's show, which is kind of, you know, Jeff Hawkins show and stuff like that. And you were talking about how GM seems like to make be making this shift between uh, not necessarily highlighting the brands, but like the overall company itself. Is that like something that's new that's happening with brands like that? Is it just GM? Kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. So the GM spot, and by the way, that was a really funny spot. Absolutely. That was Will Ferrell at his best, and he's in the, you know, he's in Sweden and stuff. I mean, the whole thing was just a really funny spot. But that branding decision was really an interesting one. So Mm -hmm. General Motors historically has been a classic house of brands. Right. You know, there's the parent company, but then nobody really cares about the parent company. People buy the, the nameplates and they buy Chevrolet or they buy GMC or they buy Cadillac. That's the brands they know and they care about. You know, most people, they don't really know where a lot of these brands come from. Right. Who owns them. If you were to say, you know, a given brand, like who owns that brand? Like, I don't know. But uh, so General Motors over the years has not spent much supporting General Motors as a brand. 
Now, though, it seems quite different because now a couple of things have happened recently. Number one, they rolled out a whole new uh, logo and they're trying to re, you know, make the GM brand a little more stylish, a little more trendy. Right. They've also said they're really going to push into electric and they said we're going to stop making these regular cars in the future. And I wonder if they're really going to start highlighting uh, GM, that mm. brand, over the nameplates. And right. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden on some of those cars, you started seeing that GM logo. You know, right now you go buy a, a Chevy and there's not a General Motors logo on that car. Right. But I bet, and maybe the way they're going to go in the future is it's going to be more General Motors and a little bit less the individual nameplates. It, it's just a striking branding move they're making there. So I'm curious what they're up to. For sure. For sure. Now, I, I thought that was interesting as well, because, you know, a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people don't know uh, that the Chevrolet or, you know, uh, I think Cadillac as well comes from the GM uh, brand. So it seems like a de- definitely a, a big shift uh, in branding there for sure. I wanted to ask you something about, you know, maybe about a few of the spots that maybe didn't do so well uh, with the panel. I think the big one uh, that comes to my mind is the Skechers ad with Tony Romo. Kind of talk about that one a little bit. So Skechers, it just didn't, uh, it didn't, it just didn't work very well with our panel. And I think it was a pretty weak spot over, overall. It wasn't a terrible spot. I mean, right. Skechers, Skechers, they ran the ad. It was all about, I guess, to the max cushioning was the point they were right. trying to make. That's the positioning there. I think the problem was the ad came across as a little schlocky. What's the word there? I mean, it had like this to the max on all these, any of the big sandwich to the max and the big truck to the, and it was a little goofy. And, and I think people said that it, it just wasn't that likable as an ad. And, and, and so even though it might've gotten your attention in the end, it just didn't come through. The amplification wasn't positive. It just didn't come through as a really strong ad. Again, I don't think it was a terrible spot. We didn't give anybody an F this year. So right. Good news. For sure. Yeah. Um, but that was certainly not a highlight on the game this year. For sure. And, and my last one I, I want to ask you uh, about is the weather tech one. Again, this one got a great D uh, as well. It just seemed like the message seemed a little weird to me. You know, it, it seems like, I don't know, not necessarily political, but it, it seems like, it just, I don't know. It just seemed like you know, it came out of nowhere. You know, kind of talk about that one a little bit. Uh, well, weather tech ran two spots and, right. and both spots focused in on their employees mm-hmm. and they focused in on this idea of uh, American. Right. And they said, we're not bringing any manufacturing back to the U S because we never left in the first place. We've always been here making stuff. And, right. And they talked about the employees being so proud and, 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 you know, actually that's a pretty, I found that pretty compelling. I was like, well, I love that message mm-hmm. and that sentiment. And the ad was well produced, and these people looked really engaging. And I'm like, I'm loving weather tech right now, but uh, but the, but the problem in those spots was that they never really told you what they made. Right. So you get all excited about buying weather tech, and then you're like, what am I supposed to go buy anyway? And I guess it's floor liners. I guess that's their main thing. Right. But also right. They made dog bowl, dog bowls, and computer things, and I don't know what they make, but there just wasn't a link to the product. Gotcha. There. So even though you feel great about the brand, the the linkage is so weak in that one that it doesn't come across. If you contrast that with uh, Chipotle, they ran right. ad and they talked about uh, how we're making the world a better place by how we source our food. You know, and it was it was actually I thought it was a pretty funny spot. That one I think worked much better because it was well linked to the product. Right. You saw it was a burrito. You knew it was for Chipotle. Fits their brand. You know what they're selling. 
that's a better execution of that high order idea of trying to make the world a better place. That ad also had that uh, that uh, uh, that girl who had just the one of the great lines of the Super Bowl, I thought, which was that line uh, are, are you still talking? <laughs> and she, she said to her brother, and and uh, that was just a really. But that was funny because you know, sort of that snarky girl says, "Yeah, we're doing this good stuff, but we don't take ourselves too serious." Right. At the same time, for sure. And human- All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to the Startup Life. Hey, Startup Nation, I think we can all agree that 2020 was more or less a dumpster fire, right? I mean, come on, on top of surviving a worldwide pandemic, good friends and family of mine lost their jobs, had their hours cut, or went out of business altogether. Yet many of these same people are talented creatives, web developers, photographers, graphic designers, SEO specialists, and writers with solid, marketable, in-demand skills. So I've turned them onto Hectic. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started, from easy-to-use contracts and proposal builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-play technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. And we all want to get paid, Startup Nation. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life now to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life, You'll be supporting me and this podcast because who couldn't use a little support these days, Startup Nation? Visit gethecticapp.com forward slash the startup life to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. The link is there in the show notes. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Now, once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to uh, Professor Tim Calkins, who's a professor at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. Make sure I get that right this time. Uh, you know, we have uh, the link to this blog post where he's talking about uh, the, the Super Bowl ads there in the show notes for easy uh, access if you listen to replay on the podcast. I, I want to ask you about an ad from back in the day a little bit, you know, and just kind of get your opinion on it because I was listening to a podcast uh, a while back. Uh, do you remember the Dan and Dave ads, like the Reebok ad from like the early nineties at all? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. I, I was curious about that because like, that wasn't necessarily like, like, you know, it, I mean, I guess it technically was like four different spots, but it seemed like a continuous type of, you know, uh, commercial between four, you know, four different parts of the game. How would you grade that one today? If you don't mind me asking, because I always, I always thought as a kid, it was a, a very fascinating ad. I didn't know who Dan and Dave was before those ads, uh, but I, I found myself rooting for both of them in the Olympiads in the Olympics that year. So kind of talk about that ad if you a little bit, if you don't mind. So I think if I recall back now and I'm, <laughs> reaching back in my mind sorry i know it's from like 92 i'm sorry no but i think those ads you know what they were very good at is that they got your attention right 
and they were different. So if you were working with the framework here, you would give them high scores for attention and distinction, maybe even positioning to some degree. Gotcha. The question that I have about that as I look back on it is around linkage. Mm, and I wonder right. if Reebok was really linked and connected to that. You know, the challenge with celebrities sometimes is that the celebrities can overwhelm the message. Right. And so the celebrity comes across more so than, uh, you know, the, 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 the product message behind it. It's a little bit like, if you might remember this one, the, uh, the Terry Tate office linebacker. I do. Spots. Yeah. And that just the funniest. I mean, that's just a amazing right. piece of film, a super funny uh, <laughs> piece of advertising. But my gosh, if you can remember who that's for, that's a real accomplishment because right. because there was just no linkage. That was just a super funny piece of film. But you could have put any brand at the end of that, and it wouldn't have mattered. Right. Still a funny piece of film, but just not a particularly effective piece of advertising. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for sharing and indulging me there a little bit. I want to transition here uh, a little bit because, you know, as you know, uh, you engage with your students and you're teaching the next, you know, uh, you know, executives of corporate America there at Northwestern and stuff like that. And we just had 2020, uh, you know, w- which was kind of a, let's just say a, a year for the record books for sure. Definitely a difficult year. And, and a lot like how 2008 rewrote uh, business tech Textbooks and stuff like that. In your opinion, how what, what will be the narrative in business textbooks moving forward about 2020? In your opinion, I think the big learnings out of 2020. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest ones will be about the importance of, I think, two things. One is uh, uh, resilience. I think will be a theme that comes through. Right. But also, I think uh, the idea of planning for uh, adversity. Now, resilience, certainly, because teaching people about the importance of being able to rebound and find a way through this stuff. And and I think resilience really is such an important skill set and mentality. But but planning for adversity, I think, is the other big learning to come through this, because what we saw in the pandemic is that when that hit, there were a lot of companies. And even now, this is the case that really struggle in terms of supply chain. Right. So there were just so many products that were out of stock. And you couldn't get uh, masks back in the spring right. and toilet paper. You couldn't find that either. And, <laughs> and a lot of things were out. And even now there's products that are really having trouble sourcing. And, and, and I think what it really speaks to is the importance. And this, by the way, is true for individuals, too, is the importance of being ready for adversity and planning for it. And, uh, you know, I, I think on supply chains, companies had gotten so if so focused on maximizing efficiency and right. reducing cost and, and making sure everything was just in time. But then the problem was when something goes awry, something unexpected, you know, the whole supply chain is just shot. I mean, that, that was, I mean, that's why there was no toilet paper because they'd gotten so good at being efficient at making just the right amount of toilet paper at just the right time that when everybody started stocking up and then all of a sudden there was just nowhere, no way for them to respond. So I think one of the big things we'll see coming out of this is the importance of being ready for the unexpected. And that's a lesson that I think is a big one for companies. It's a big one for brands. It's a big one for individuals. For sure. Because we all have to be ready for things and we can't assume that tomorrow is going to be a sunny day. We've got to be ready for the bumps because the bumps will come and we just got to think about how we're going to handle them. For sure. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because we, we recently, uh, last year we had David Cote, uh, former CEO of Honeywell, 
uh, on the show. And he talked about that very thing, that resilience and, and planning for adversity. And he also talked about um, uh, being able to when you're in a crisis, not only to uh, think about how to get out of the crisis now, but think about how uh, you're going to look after the fact. After the crisis, what do you you want to be known as after the fact, you know, and and I imagine you do that a lot with your students. Do you ever talk to your students about like, um, you know, uh, when it comes to advertising and marketing, uh, that ethics piece or the social piece? Because I know that's a lot in now in um, in in advertising now where there's like a social aspect, whether it be due to, you know, racial injustice or social injustice or whatever the case may be. Can you talk about that a little bit, Tim? Yeah, we talk about that a lot now because right. one of the big things in marketing is this idea of purpose right. and and thinking about what's the purpose of a company and what are we contributing to this that world we live in. Right. And, and 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 that comes from you know different places, but it's certainly something we talk about a lot now in the classroom. Right. And you know one of the interesting things though is it is trickier to do that than you might think. Right. I imagine and, so. <laughs> well, and, and, and the question is, so one of the things I think given is that a company should have a purpose and should be making the world a better place in some way and should be operating ethically and improving things. Where it gets more complicated is when you try to think about how much should we talk about that? Mm, in right. Right. And I think there's, you know, there's two benefits to really having a sort of a deep sense of purpose. Uh, one is, one is sort of an internal piece, which is people feel better about the company if they think the company's doing good things and if they think they're making a contribution. I think we all want to feel like we're making a contribution of course. to making this world a better place. And, and so that helps a company in terms of retaining employees and motivating employees and recruiting employees. And I think it's so important for companies. Uh, when you go and talk to people about it, then it's more complicated. Because there the question is, it's hard to get anybody's attention for anything. If you get somebody's attention, you know, the question is, what do you want to tell them? Right. Do you want to tell them that, you know, in the case of Huggies, go to Huggies, right? Do you want to tell them that we make a wonderful diaper that is perfect for infants and based on all this research and technology? Or do you want to tell them that we really believe in babies and we celebrate babies and 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 is it like the do you lead with your purpose or do you lead with your product? And figuring that out is really complicated. Is uh, it's uh, it's it's one of these great marketing questions. Is which is going to resonate more, and when do you emphasize one versus the other? For sure, for sure. Not <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, no, I imagine so. It just seems like any time you dive into that, you know, it can definitely kind of like you know, it's kind of like a minefield. You just never know, and it just it just amazes me how. You know, like, you know, you'll think uh, you'll do all this research and you talk to everybody and you're like, yeah, it's a good ad. Run it. Right. And then as soon as you put it out there, social media slams you for it. it's like we didn't see that one coming. So it's just I, I was just always kind of, you know, interesting. Oh, that in seeing is so that. much. Yeah, that is so much the case these days. Right. It's one of the things about the Super Bowl. It makes these advertisers very. Right. Because it's so easy to offend people. Absolutely. And the other thing that's hard, I think, is that it's very hard sometimes to know when you're offending people. Right. And, and, you know, because there's lots of things you can, you know, there's things you can say and do and, and comment on and people will find them so offensive, but you don't even know they're offensive. You're not trying to be offensive. You're just, but there's something that is out there 
that you're just not aware of. What what it says is you just have to be very careful and you want to do your research and you want to talk to people as much as you can. Before you put something out there to a big audience, you want to check it as much as you're never going to take away that whole risk because you'll never know everything that can be interpreted in different ways. Right. But you, you really want to test it. That's well, one of the things I advise anybody on the Super Bowl. If you haven't tested your ad before you go put it on the Super Bowl, you are a crazy person. Right. Well, let me ask you this, a quick follow up, if you don't mind. Let, let, let's say you, you test it and you get the green light and then all of a sudden you put it out there. And like I said, Twitter slams it, Facebook slams it or whatever the case may be. Is the only option to just pull the ad? Are there other options besides just pulling that? Or is it just depends on what, you know, what that particular ad is? Well, it depends what the accusation is. Right. I think. Right. So, okay. Uh, some ads, if you get, you know, there's some topics where if you're slammed for it, you, you have to pull it right away. Right. Of course. So, uh, you know, so you've crossed uh, offended people on, on, I don't know, for, you know, you, you've crossed the line in terms of behavior, right. or gender or race or mm-hmm. those kind of things. I think you would very quickly pull it off the air, apologize for what happened. And, and, and I think on those topics, that's really what you have to do. Where it gets where it's different is when people don't like your ad or they're mad at your ad, but they're mad for reasons that are not, you know, it's open for interpretation. Exactly. For example, right. On the Super Bowl this year, Oatly went on the Super Bowl. Right. They had the CEO singing, you know, oh, wow, oh, wow. No, and he cannot sing very well, by the way. No. And not. a lot of people said that was <laughs> terrible, you know, right. but, but I don't think that means you have to take that ad down. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not a problem and you can keep running it. And if people don't like it, maybe that's okay. Got you. Yeah, yeah, I thought, you know, yeah, you're right. He, he really can't sing very well. But I thought when he put the drum machine in, it sounded better when I added the drum machine. But that's just, <laughs> yeah, was, that's I just me. I thought it was a huge spot. I thought it was funny. It made me more likely to try Oatly, to be honest. For sure. I thought it seemed engaging and quirky, and I like that. For sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up uh, with Professor Tim Calkins, uh, professor at the uh, sorry at the Kellogg School of Management there at Northwestern. And he's also the author of how to wash a chicken, uh, which is a fascinating book, mastering the the business presentation. Uh, so I, I want to ask you this: talk about the impetus for that book, and also I saw your your video where you're kind of promoting the book. Where did I got to ask you? Where did you get that chicken from? So the book is all about how do we create and deliver great presentations, mm-hmm. and uh, where the idea for the book came from is you know I teach MBA students all the time right. up, up at Kellogg, but what I noticed was that. A lot of the students there, so smart, so talented, so experienced, but they just didn't know how to write a presentation that would work in a business context because they've never been taught that. And it's not something you really usually take a class on in college or or what have you. So I said there's a real need for this because it's such an important skill to be able to put together a really logical and compelling presentation. So that's where the idea came from. And it really is a step-by-step guide. You know, there's a lot of public speaking guides out there, right? and that's important, and they talk a lot about presence and what you wear and how your voice modulation and all, and that's all great stuff, but that's not actually what this book is really about. This book is about how do you uh, assemble, develop, create a really powerful presentation. You know, in my mind, if you write a great presentation, when you get in the room, it's going to go well, and, and and the delivery is almost secondary, and if the presentation is good – the, the you know you want to present well and some days you do some days you don't but if you've written a good document and you've got what things clearly laid out it, it's just going to go well it, it's just you're, 
you're, you're set up for success. For the sure. title of it, uh, the title of it comes from, uh, uh, it's a strange title, Washington Chicken. That was the first presentation that I gave gotcha. uh, as a kid. Okay. And when it came time to shoot the video, I was like, I really need a chicken, you know, <laughs> for the video. And uh, it turns out there's a uh, uh, an elementary school here in Chicago, one of the public schools, and right. they have uh, a bunch of chickens. So I... I know I knew the person who took care of all the chickens at the school. I'm like, I think I could stop by one day and to shoot a video with one of your chickens. And she was thrilled and very helpful. And it was just really fun to do. And so I've got a whole series of these chicken videos out on the website. I hear that. I hear that. And we have the link there. Uh, Startup Nation, if you want to purchase how to wash the chicken, how to wash a chicken there in the show notes for easy access. I want to ask you really quickly about one of your chapters. You know, when we talk about the business presentation, we talk about things like, you know, the setup and the clothes. But you have a chapter in there called the pre-sale. Kind of talk about that, because I th- I think that's a very important point in the book. Well, it's something people often don't spend enough time on mm-hmm. when you think about a business presentation. Oh, when you're doing a business presentation, if you want it to go well, the the simplest thing you can do is that before you actually get to the meeting, you go around and you meet with people ahead of time. Right. And if the head of sales is going to be in the meeting, you meet with the head of sales before. And you say – when you meet with them, you say, I'm just working on this presentation and it, I've just got a rough draft here, just my initial thoughts. And I'd love to get your input because you are so smart and talented and gifted. And I know you got some great ideas, things I should be thinking about. Can I take you through this? And – then you walk through it, and and when you do that, a couple of things happen. Number one, you, your argument gets a lot stronger mm. because they'll bring up things you maybe haven't thought of or uh, other people you should talk to, but it makes your argument a lot stronger. The other thing you do is you you get people on board, and by taking the person through it ahead of time, you know they're already supportive of the recommendation. So then you actually get into your presentation. You get into this big meeting, really important moment for you. But you look around the room and you're like, I've met with her and I've met with her and I've met with him. And I know they're all on board. And I know, yeah, this is going to go fine, isn't it? Because they already know what I'm presenting and they already support it. The other thing is that if somebody doesn't support it, you know that too. And you're like, okay. And now I know, you know, Bob is not going to support this recommendation. And I know he's not going to support it. And uh, but that's good, though, and I'm ready for it. And I know his concerns and I can respond to his concerns. You know, if you don't know where you stand, it's much, much harder. One thing on pre-selling, one other thing, a lot of people say that you can't, you know, if you're presenting to some important person, the CEO or the senior vice president or something, they're not going to meet with you ahead of time because they're so busy. Mm-hmm. And that is true. Yeah, and, and I think that's right. You're not going to get to that person. And probably right. But what you, you know, who you can get to are all the people who report up. Right. To that person. You right. can get to their staff. Not only can you get to them, they want to see it ahead of time because when they get in the meeting, they want to appear smart and they want to appear uh, thoughtful and they want to know what you're presenting before you get in there. So it's very easy to get to them. Ideally, you go into a meeting, get six people who are sitting there and you're presenting to or on a Zoom call these days. I don't care. But, you know, there's the one senior person, but the other five, you've met with them. You know they're going to support it. Whichever way the senior person looks, they're going to see somebody who supports this recommendation. And then it's just going to go well. You're going to present with confidence. You're going to make a good recommendation. It's going to go forward. You're set up for success. 
For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, if you want to keep up with everything Professor Tim uh, Calkins is doing, make sure you go to timcalkins.com. We have that link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on uh, the podcast. And uh, before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much again, Professor C, for coming on the show and sharing your insight on Super Bowl ads and uh, the, the next steps as we move forward in 2021 with, you know, uh, uh, branding our business and sharing the marketing and the, and the storytelling of our businesses. But uh, now I'm just actually going to turn the microphone over to you with everything going on, Professor C. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of negativity going around and stuff like that. And people just want to feel a little bit uplifted. If you would just kind of leave us some, with some words of encouragement today, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd be happy to. I, I think it is such a crazy time right now in the world. And I think that is true in so many uh, different ways. Right. But I think what's what's encouraging in the world, I think, is number one, is that we can get through things. And what's amazing to me is how we've gone through just a terrible stretch. And yet, you know, by and large, we are still moving forward. We're still doing things. We're still working. The kids are still learning. We're still making headway, which speaks to our innate resilience and our flexibility. And in, in a way, if we can navigate this stretch, then we can navigate pretty much anything. And you almost walk away from all of this with a sense of, if I can handle that, I can handle the next thing. The other piece, I think, is that all of this craziness this year has, in a way, focused our minds. And I think it's simplified our lives. And in that, I think it has been, in some ways, a a positive because it gets us focused on what really matters. And some of the things that don't matter, you know, the latest party or this and that and this and that you know you realize that what's really important maybe isn't that what really important is 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 family and 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 our close friends and the activities we really care about and i think the simplicity maybe that comes out of it is in the end going to be something that's a positive i suspect a couple years from now we'll look back on this time and we'll say wow that was such a remarkable time and there were some things some things that i miss about it Right. Seeing more of the family, seeing more of the of uh, of the kids and uh, being a little more focused and present. And I think maybe all of that is something that we'll hope to continue and hang on to even as we come out of all of this. For sure. Awesome stuff. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Star of Life. We want to once again thank Professor Tim Calkins uh, from the Kellogg School of Management there at Northwestern. Thank you so much. Good, sir. Well, thank you. It was a really a pleasure. Oh, no worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey... If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.